0: Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show <laughs> I am uh, Last week I thought I was fired up I did, I thought I was fired up last week No, no, no This week Is fired up This week I'm feeling great. This week, I'm feeling unreal, okay? Why? Maybe just because NFL's back, football's back. I almost have too much that I want to discuss that I got to like pare it down. So I apologize if I blew out your eardrums or your speakers and the intro to show my bad. I'm just excited. I'm happy to be here. I have uh I have a lot, like I said, to get into. Um, you know where we're going to start. What up, Cyber Family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Hello. Look, Trash Can Studios is especially trashy. I know you've heard me say that multiple times. Oh, also, I am under the weather, so... You may hear me sniffle. You know, I got kids. Uh within, you know, school started last week. Okay? Within the first week, here comes my son from kindergarten. He's got a he's got a head cold. Within the first four days, these kids are germ buckets. He gave it to me. I'm a little under the weather, but I was not going to miss a week, especially not after the first NFL week. <laughs> Those of you who, uh, who who took my picks, my NFL picks, and went to your uh, local betting site and bet using my picks, I apologize. <laughs> I was uh, 6 and 10, so you probably lost some money. Uh, my apologies. But this week, I will redeem myself. I will redeem myself this week. But you know where we have to start. You know where we have to start. We have to start. We have to start. With the injury to Aaron Rodgers. That's right. Those of you who have been listening to this show since last year. Or since it started. But if you started listening in the summer. If you were listening in the summer, I should say. Not if you started. If you were listening throughout the summer in the NFL offseason. When the big talk was about Aaron Rodgers. And Jets fans were excited. The media was excited. Everyone was excited. Oh, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Jets. Immediate contenders. I said... With or without Aaron Rodgers, I don't think the Jets are making the playoffs. I don't know if I was ever able to give you a good real explanation as to why, but it just doesn't work like that, right? I brought up the example of Russell Wilson going to Denver last year, how it just doesn't work to where you sign a guy, it was the one missing piece, and ba there you go. Now all of a sudden your team is set, ready to go. This is this is it's not that simple. And the irony of irony is all right, so I am not one listen, I do not root for injuries. I don't. I don't root for injuries, I don't root for guys to get hurt. I'm not an evil person, although some people uh, may call me evil. I just think the situation is hilarious to me. The situation is incredibly funny to me. It's incredibly ironic to me. It's not, the injury itself is not funny. It doesn't make me happy. I'm not glad about it or whatever, but I'm also not sad. Like, I'm not sad. Aaron Rodgers is filthy rich. Aaron Rodgers has accomplished anything you could want to accomplish in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. There will people that there are going to be people that will argue that. Okay, his stature is solidified. If he tore his Achilles, he's going to get the best medical attention. He's going to get the best rehab. He is set. For him, it's a setback. It's an annoyance. That's it. Okay, so let's stop making it seem like he lost his life or this is the greatest tragedy. It's not, it's an injury. Okay, it's an injury where if he wants to play football again, he'll bounce back, he'll be fine. But the situation, I can't be the only one who finds it funny. Here's a franchise who has complained for years. Oh, we don't have a quarterback. Oh, we don't have a guy. This is a franchise that praised Mark Sanchez and loved Mark. Back-to-back AFC Championship games, man. He's legit. And then he falls apart, and then they they kick him out of town. He sucks. Get him out of here. Then you draft Sam Darnold, and people are excited about Sam Darnold. He sucks. Get him out of here. Then they draft Zach Wilson. Oh, we got somebody. Look, this guy could be it. He sucks. Get him out of here. Aaron Rodgers comes to town and all the Jets fans, oh, this is it. This is This is going to be amazing. All the media, oh, man. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, does that make him a Super Bowl contender? Oh, man, da 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 Aaron Rodgers goes into the darkness retreat. He doesn't know if he wants to continue playing or not. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I need to go into the dark. All of that. All of it. Then they finally make the trade, and then he does the press conference. Oh, he looks great. He looks rejuvenated all offseason long. Jets fans, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Yeah, the excitement couldn't be bigger. Number eight jerseys everywhere. Fourth play into the game. (laughs) Crash and burn. (laughs) It fell apart immediately. And what did you, what do you now have to do? Now, think about this. Think about this. Okay, here's why, it, here's why it's funny to me. And this is why my sick, twisted sports brain, this is what I go to. I'm actually rooting for Zach Wilson. Yep, that I'm rooting for him to have a really good year. That's right. I want him to do so good. And then I want him to leave. Get out of town. I want him to be MVP caliber this season and then demand a trade in the offseason and never play for the Jets again. Because here is a guy, okay, here is a guy who the team clearly replaced. They were talking about trading for Matt Stafford before they traded for Aaron Rodgers. They had multiple guys. They were ready to replace Zach Wilson. Hey, Zach, we got Aaron Rodgers. Sit on the bench. All the receivers. Oh, A-Rod, please. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, we got to get Rodgers. Oh, no, no, no. Everybody loves Aaron Rodgers. And then Zach Wilson is just like, yeah, go sit for a couple years. And then hopefully you can figure it out. And then, you know, when when Aaron's done, then maybe maybe you can get a shot. And four plays in. Guess who you got to call? You got to look over to Zach Wilson and say, hey, man, we believe in you. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable watching it. You knew he knows those guys don't want him. That franchise doesn't want him. They don't want him. But who do you need now? And then not only that, but right after the game, who can the Jets call? Who can the Jets get to play quarterback for them? Are they really going to stick it with Zach Wilson? I hope he is phenomenal this year. I don't think he will be. I don't think he will be, <laughs> but boy, I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope he's so good this year that the Jets say, mm, we don't really, maybe we don't want Aaron Rodgers to come back. Maybe we just want to sign Zach Wilson to an extension and keep going. And I hope he says no, no. And now Jets fans, you were this close you had, you had so much excitement going into the season, and it's gone. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> That's what you get for thinking you were going to just get a guy and then all of a sudden be able to, you know what? I don't know why. I don't know why it made me laugh. I just think it's ironic. It's typical of the Jets. This franchise hasn't been able to get things right forever. Drafting Sam Darnold was the right choice. It didn't work out. Drafting Zach Wilson wasn't the worst choice, but it didn't work out. Trading for Aaron Rodgers wasn't a bad choice. It didn't work out. It's just the way this franchise goes. It shit doesn't work out. <laughs> and I love the fact that this was supposed to be the move. This was supposed to be the year that they break all that bad mojo, that they break all that curse stuff, that they finally get it right. This can't fail, right? This can't fail. Aaron Rodgers, there's no way it fails. And it fell apart immediately. Now let's talk about some compliments because that team, first of all, the Jets to win that game, that's a hell of a defense. That defense is legit. That defense is real. And I know I said, hey, you're assuming the defense is going to be just as good or better than it was last year. And it doesn't always work out that way. Hey, week one, they were phenomenal. Now, part of that is I think Josh Allen played absolutely horrible. Josh Allen looked like trash. If you ask me if the rumors about him and Haley Steinfeld are true, I think you hang around them Hollywood types. And you start, you know. Start messing around with some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying you hang out with Hollywood, you know, pop stars and all that stuff. That's a whole different category of people you around. It might take your focus away a little bit. And you might come into the season, be a little off. He looked like he was off. But the Jets defense looked great. The offense didn't look good but the defense kept them in the game. Special teams made a big play in overtime. Good for them to get that win. Really really impressive, really good for them. Really happy for them. It actually was exciting that 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 punt return in overtime by that rookie, Xavier Gibson. Like that that's the type of stuff that makes you happy. Even even as a hater, even as someone who 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 is rooting for the Jets to miss the playoffs. Uh just because I said it. Although now most people probably think they won't make the playoffs anyway. But remember who said it first? I said it first. They call me crazy. Things happen. And remind you. Ah. <laughs> but but very impressive win for them nonetheless. It's a division win. That's important. Again, like I said last week, the whole theme of last week was stack these wins. Stack as many wins as you can no matter how it happens. No matter how you get them, stack them. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you beat somebody, how many points you won by, it just matters how many wins you have. And that could be a win that could push them into the playoff conversation. I just think it's hilarious that the Aaron Rodgers project, the Aaron Rodgers tenure in New York may potentially be over for good and it only lasted four plays. I think that's funny. I think think the Jets fans and their misery for decades... I think it's just so fitting. If there was a fan base that this was going to happen to, the Jets would be that fan base. Let's move on now to talk about some rookie quarterbacks. So three rookie quarterbacks uh, suited up and started of the Big Five. So this is CJ Stroud. This is Bryce Young. And this is Anthony Richardson. All three started. All three played. All three got a lot of reps, surprisingly. Surprisingly. None of these teams seem like they were hesitant to let the quarterback throw the ball, which I think shows you an evolution of the game, how quarterbacks coming into the NFL are much more ready and equipped to play NFL football, how the it used to be that the the, the offense you would run in college is, has nothing like the NFL, and then you go to the NFL and it's a big adjustment. Well, nowadays, a lot of the passing concepts are very much the same across the board. So let's start with uh, Anthony Richardson, who in my mind was the biggest surprise. Now, early in that game, Anthony Richardson looked really good. He looked good. I was surprised. I was looking at it and saying to myself, like, wow, Anthony Richardson might be legit. Was I off? But then you saw later in that game, he looked like exactly what he is, a guy who has supreme talent, a guy who can show you flashes, but a guy who also at the same time, when push comes to shove, when the heat is on... His mechanics will go in the garbage. He will rely too much on his his talented arm, and he will make boneheaded plays. He's not ready yet to be a consistent, positive quarterback in the NFL. He's just not ready. I'm not saying he'll never get there. I'm just saying right now he's not ready. He looks to be a guy who's going to need a little bit more work. Now, Bryce Young had a bad day. He did. Bryce Young was the one of these three quarterbacks who looked a little bit like, uh-oh. Anthony Richardson in the beginning was, okay. And then was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I expected. Bryce Young is the one guy, though, who looked a little like, uh-oh. We might have some questions. Now, look, it's his first start in the NFL. Again, not making any grand conclusions on any of these guys. But what I'm looking for Is do you look the part? I don't need you to have a great day or a bad day. That doesn't matter. Do you look the part? Do you look like you belong? Do you look like you're overwhelmed? Do you look like you're out of place? Bryce Young was kind of on that middle ground of like. He didn't look out of place. But he didn't look like he belonged. He kind of was in that. Oh I don't know. We might need a couple more weeks. Maybe this wasn't as sure a thing as some thought. Now CJ Stroud. Was uh, of the three quarterbacks was the only one he threw for the most yards. He had the most completions and he had the most pass attempts. Uh, He didn't score a touchdown, but he also didn't have a turnover. So he, his game was like the others, uh, kind of a mixed bag. There were some moments where you thought, oh wow. And then there were some missed throws where you say, you got to hit those. But again, do you look the part? He looked the part. CJ Stroud looked the part. Early in the game, he looked a little nervous. He looked like it was his first NFL game, and like, I think he, you know, they always say like everything seems so fast, and then it starts to slow down. I feel like if you watch, you can see the moments where it slows down, and it's like, oh, okay, like you probably go into it thinking, okay, it's like if you ever been to the batting cages, and you go into like the eighty-five mile an hour, and it, and you're you're anticipating it being so fast, right? You go into the fast pitch. Batting cage and you just it's gonna be so fast that you psych yourself up and you start rushing and then after you see a couple pitches you realize oh okay it's not that bad and then you get back to your mechanics and you get back to swinging and then you hit it and it's like oh it's not it's not bad at all that's what it feels like these quarterbacks have going on where they get themselves so psyched up because it's the NFL the best of the best the game plans best coaches in the world. And then they start to play and they realize, oh, this is just football. I've done this before. I'm in the NFL. I'm on this level. This is where I belong. And then you can see things slow down and them start to use their mechanics in play. I feel like you saw a bit of that from CJ Stroud, from Anthony Richardson, and from Bryce Young. So overall, if I'm going to go from from the expectation standpoint, I'm going to say Anthony Richardson had the best day if we're judging it against expectations. I expected Anthony Richardson to be miserable this year. So for him to come out in game one and look as solid as he did, he has to get the nod as the best performer in week one. C.J. Stroud will be number two and Bryce Young will be number three. Speaking of quarterbacks, first of all, can I just ask the question, why are you starting Josh Dobbs over Clayton Toon? For those of you who watch the the cyber quarterback rankings on my YouTube channel, thank you. Thank you for the support. Uh, I know. Thank you. Uh, I've said that Clayton Toon, I anticipated him being the starter going into the year, which is why he got graded. And Josh Dobbs, I didn't grade or put on the list because I didn't think he would be the starter. And The QB rankings are based on the projected starters for week one in the NFL. But I told you if Josh Dobbs was going to start, he's the 32nd and worst quarterback in the league <laughs> or the lowest rated. Now, he didn't have a bad day. But my question is, is Josh Dobbs your future? See, here's here's my problem with the NFL. Here's my problem. In my mind, it's Super Bowl or bust for everybody. The goal is to win the Super Bowl, correct? Okay. So if we're not going to win a Super Bowl, then the only thing we should be focused on is taking steps towards that, correct? We all are in agreement, right? All right. So if I'm if I'm working, if I'm a coach for the Cardinals, I already know I'm not in the Super Bowl conversation. I don't have the roster talent. No, I, There's no expectation. Let's not play games. I know it's like, we expect to win every game. I, I know you do. But if you're being honest, if you're a coach of the Cardinals, you don't think your roster is good enough to go win a Super Bowl. They would have to prove you wrong, and they certainly could. It's not, I'm not saying it's not impossible. I'm not saying that you can't look at your team and say, hey, man, we're going to try to win every game. We can get to the Super Bowl. Sure. But the reality is, as you know, if you're a head football coach, you know if your guy is the guy or not. Nobody thinks Josh Dobbs is leading you to a Super Bowl. Nobody thinks that Clayton Toon is leading you to a Super Bowl. But guess what? Clayton Toon is a rookie. Clayton Toon is a guy who might be able to start for your franchise for the next decade plus. Josh Dobbs is not that. If your guy is, if your guy is Kyler Murray and when he comes back, he's going to assume the role of starter. Then in this time period when he's not there, you don't think you're going to win every game. So why not start the young guy? Because you can either A, find out that you got someone who could be your franchise quarterback. Or B, find out you got a good solid backup and a guy that you want to keep around long term. Or C, find out that he's trash. And he ain't going to play anyway when Kyler Murray comes back. And you already know what Dobbs is. A solid backup quarterback for a game or two. Why are you taking away from building your potential future to put in a stopgap? For what? It's a waste of time for everybody. Josh Dobbs included. He has no chance of being your quarterback going forward. Josh Dobbs is not better than Kyler Murray under any planet, under any circumstances. I don't care. No one's starting Josh Dobbs over Kyler Murray. So as soon as Kyler Murray comes back, guess where Josh Dobbs is going? To the bench. And if he plays well, even if you wanted to keep him going forward, the amount of money you have to pay him to be your backup is far more than you're currently paying Clayton Toon. So let Clayton Toon get the reps, get better, so he can become a solid backup quarterback because you don't have to pay him much. I just don't understand the thinking. You're not, you know what, I'm 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 not doing this. I'm moving on. But I just think it's completely asinine that they would start Josh Dobbs over Clayton Toon because Josh Dobbs is not in any potential future plans for the Cardinals. I want to talk about Jordan Love. Now that I'm all fired up, I want to talk about Jordan Love. Coming into the year, there's a lot of knocks and a lot of hate for Jordan Love. Two years ago when Aaron Rodgers, when they were potentially talking about trading him or potentially wanting to leave, is he going to retire? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Everyone said, you can't trade Aaron Rodgers because Jordan Love is not the guy. And I said, why are we writing off Jordan Love like it's not possible? I didn't understand that. I would have traded Aaron Rodgers years ago. Because I need to find out if Jordan Love is the guy or not. And I'd rather find out three years before his contract is up rather than on a contract year. Because if he has a really good season this year, you now have to pay him. And if you pay him, is it going to be a Matt Flynn situation where we have to pay this guy because he did some good things, but, oh, wait a second. He's not really the guy. Is it a Matt Castle type thing where we have to pay the guy, but, oh, wait, he's not really what we thought he was. But we had to pay him like he is because he had a contract year and he performed well, but then he became right back down to reality. So I'd rather find out early. But now, coming into this year, everyone is just immediately writing off Jordan Love. Jordan Love stinks. He's no good. I don't expect much from him. And I said, You're wrong. I think everybody's wrong about Jordan Love. Jordan Love is more than capable. So, coming into week one, all I needed him to do was look the part. Can you show me that you look like a guy who can progress into a good quarterback? Do you have the arm talent? Do you have the presence? Are you standing strong in the pocket? Are you bailing too early? Are you check down Charlie? Are you forcing throws? Do you look like you have a grasp of what you're supposed to be doing? 15 of 27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Some people might say, that's not great. If if there's other quarterbacks, if they had that type of day, you would be praising them. Now, I'm not going to praise him for the day he had. I'm going to praise him for the way it looked. He looks like the quarterback there. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he knows the game plan. He looks like he knows his role. Looks like he's not trying to force anything. He's not trying to be anything. He isn't. He's playing football. He is the guy. After a week one performance, I feel very confident. I feel even more sure in my stance. He's going to have a good, solid year. He's not going to be the problem in Green Bay. Whatever happens to them this year, he's not going to be the problem. He's not going to hold them back. He looks the part. And that's all you had to do. So I think, you know, I know people are saying, I'm not buying in yet. I'm not buying in yet. You don't have to buy in. There's nothing to buy into. You've never seen him play this much before. You've never had the opportunity to see how he plays in back-to-back weeks. Hey, what are you going to do when you've been the starter for four straight games and now you're in game five? How are you going to look in week six, seven of the NFL season? As opposed to you coming for one star and then we have to judge what you would be. Everybody gets better. Which segues us perfectly into, you think Joe Burrow is going to look this bad week two? You think next week Joe Burrow is going to be 14 of 31 for 82 yards? That was awful. That was pitiful. And for me personally... Coming off of naming him number one quarterback in the NFL in the cyber rankings for the second straight year, to have that performance, bro, you making me look bad. But that's still my guy. So the Joe Burrow thing is interesting because he's coming off of a massive contract. Okay. So he got a 5-year, 275 million dollar contract extension. He's got 146.5 million dollars guaranteed at signing. Now. Here here's the thing. I got I got a message. I won't say from who. I'm not going to say no names. But I got a message immediately saying Joe Burrow's contract is so much more than what um in guarantees than what Lamar Jackson was asking for. You think he's far better than Lamar Jackson? Look, here's the thing. Number 1, you know how I feel about this contract stuff where it's like, "Oh, next man up needs to be the highest paid." I think that's crap. I think the NFL owners need to knock that out right now. I'm not paying you more than the guy that got paid last year simply because You're a free agent now. So the market is now that No, 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 no. Hear me, hear me, no. Because if Zach Wilson's up for a contract, do we think Zach Wilson needs to set the new quarterback market? No. Joe Burrow has come into Cincinnati, and, and from the moment he stepped on the field, that's a Super Bowl contender every single year that he's there. Every single year, they are, they are, they are competing for a, 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 a division title. They are competing in AFC title games. They are going to the Super Bowl. Every year. Pencil it in. Start of the season. That's the pencil sound. Cincinnati is going to be in the conversation at the end of the year. That's what you got with Joe Burrow. Every single time. And what he does best is not something that's going to erode in the next five years. His ability to pass the ball, his accuracy, his touch, his command of the offense, that's not going to go away in five years. That's only something that's going to get better with time. Lamar Jackson's best thing he does is the threat of running. In five years when he's a little older, a little banged up, it's going to be gone. I compare Lamar Jackson a lot to Cam Newton in the sense that Cam Newton was able to throw the ball. Cam Newton... Everyone would say he throws the ball way better than he gets credit for. He did. But it wasn't what he did best. What he did best was escape the pocket, run around with the ball, make plays with his legs. That's what made him so great. That's what led him to an MVP season, just like Lamar Jackson. And what we saw with Cam Newton over time is once that skill, once that ability started to break down and erode, and he had to now rely more on strictly his passing ability, and teams didn't no longer have to worry he's going to beat us with his legs, you started to see the reality of what Cam is. A middle-of-the-road, average passer who had incredible physical gifts. That's what Lamar Jackson is. I'm not going to pay you more than every other quarterback in the NFL simply because you're the next guy up. You're not as good as Patrick Mahomes, so I'm not paying you more than that. I don't care what Deshaun Watson got. You're not as good as the top top guy in the NFL. I'm not going to pay you like you're the top guy because you're not. I'm not mad at Joe Burrow's contract. He got paid like the top guy because in my brain he is. Because he's the only guy. If you put him on Kansas City, do you think Kansas City doesn't win those Super Bowls? If you put him in Baltimore, you don't think Baltimore wins? If you put him in Miami, you don't think Miami wins? What team are you putting Joe Burrow on that you think that they're not going to win with Joe Burrow? He can go any team in the NFL and be a winner. He's that good. You can't put Lamar Jackson on any team in the NFL and guarantee yourself a winner. So you want to pay him like the top guy? He is the top guy. So he should get paid like it. Now, when Daniel Jones comes up for contract talk, no, I'm not paying you like a top guy. I'm not paying you like a top 10 guy, because you're not. You're going to get paid based on where you are. I'm not paying you as the top guy simply because quarterback's important, bruh. Quarterback's important. (laughs) No, you get paid based on what I think you're going to do and where I think your standing is as an NFL quarterback. Dak Prescott is overpaid. He's paid like a top guy, and he's not. Tua is going to end up being overpaid. He's going to get paid like a top guy, and he's not. Deshaun Watson's overpaid. So, no, don't come to me with that nonsense about, oh, Joe Burrow gets so much money. You, You think he deserves it? He's been injured, too. Yeah, but his injuries are injuries that are coming within the context of the game. You still trust that in 15 years, I would bet money that Joe Burrow could still be productive using his best attribute? I can't say the same for some other guys, especially a guy like Lamar Jackson, who at no point in his life ever had to rely strictly on sit in the pocket and deliver passes. Never in his life did he have to rely on that. Never in his life did that have to be option one, sit back and pass. His was always, go play football. You're the best athlete on the field. I think if I'm paying you for what I think you're going to do going forward, and this is what I said. Going forward, if I'm paying you that money, I have to take back the thing you do best. Your biggest threat I have to pull back on because I need to make sure you're available because of the contract I'm giving you. If I take away your best asset, then you're no longer qualified to get that contract. Because I took away the best thing you had. You want to know who this happened to? Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was lethal when he was running and moving around. Guess what? He got hurt. He no longer wants to run. Now he has to sit in the pocket and deliver. Guess what his weakest attribute is? His ability to drop back and pass consistently. Everyone says, oh, what happened to Dak Prescott? Is he overrated? No. He's just being forced to tinker and and try to improve his weakest skill and what you get is inconsistency i know what i'm talking about joe burrow deserves the money because joe burrow is the best quarterback in the nfl patrick mahomes deserves the money because patrick mahomes is in the conversation for best quarterback in the nfl i think that justin herbert deserves the money because justin herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl Justin Herbert is a guy who has the most passing yards in the first three seasons of a career, ever. And he's been working with trash offensive coordinators. Like, he's a guy that produces. He's a guy that you believe you can win with. He's a guy that you believe, if he continues to get better, how good can he be? He he can deliver throws that other people can't. So the question becomes, do I think the contract for Joe Burrow influenced his week one play? No. I think his lack of preseason reps influenced it. And I think we need to have a real conversation about guys playing preseason. I think if you shorten the preseason to three games and you don't want to play guys because you're afraid of injury, dude, I got news for you. Not playing in the preseason and not getting injured in the preseason doesn't mean you're not going to get injured in the regular season. The only way to get better at football is to play. I don't think these guys should be sitting out entire games. You should play the first quarter. So the first game of the preseason should be the first quarter. The second game of the preseason should be the first half. And the third game of the preseason, you should play at least three quarters. Especially, especially your starting quarterback. Especially. Because week one in the NFL now has become a glorified preseason game. Week one in the NFL is pretty much the what, what used to be the third preseason game where they called it the dress rehearsal, right? So, like, now these guys are basically getting their rhythm in the first week. And then week two, you start to see the real games happen. So you saw a lot of bad performances in week one, a lot of off throws, a lot of missed things because it's basically preseason. And now week two and week three, you start to see things crystallize and get clearer and, you know. So I think they need to play in the preseason. So So I want to talk about, I want to talk about now, I want to spend a little time on the Cowboys and the Giants on Sunday Night Football. Let me start by saying this. Even though I am a Cowboys fan, even though I don't like Daniel Jones, even though I don't like the Giants, even though I want to come in here and I want to kick the back end of every Giants fan in America and in the world. Although I want to come in here and gloat. And I want to come in here and bash and say how trash the Giants are. I'm not biased. The one thing, the, the greatest thing that has come from me doing this sports show, from doing this podcast, from doing the YouTube, is it has taken away my blind fandom. Now, because I'm paying attention to the entire league, because I'm looking at things in a totality, I no longer have this blind allegiance to my favorite team, which is why I could come in here and say, Dak Prescott is boo-boo. I'm not, I'm not into it. I don't believe in him. Even though that's my quarterback, it's my quarterback. Even though that's the guy I got to root for and I'm rooting for him, I don't believe in him because I'm not blinded by my fandom. I can say, watching that game Sunday, you really can't take anything from it. I can't take anything. I can't judge the Giants off of it, and I can't praise the Cowboys off of it. Because that was one of the most laughable games I've ever seen. Literally, not even joking, not exaggerating, every single thing went the Cowboys' way. So much there were there were moments in that game where it felt like it was raining harder when the Giants had the ball and then the rain would stop when the Cowboys had the ball. <laughs> That's how much in favor the universe was of the Cowboys on that day. I don't know why everything went their way. Every every bounce, every tip pass, like everything just went their way. It was just a perfect night for them. Mwah! Chef's kiss. The universe gave the Cowboys a big, big win. But I can't be too hard on the Giants. There's some things you could take away for sure. I'll say this. That offense is only going to work if Daniel Jones is involved in the running game. You try to make Daniel Jones drop back and pass, it's over. You have no chance. You have no chance. You're not going to be successful. I, I saw that early. That's not... You cannot play that game. And that's why I didn't want to pay him the money. That's why I said paying him that amount of money makes no sense because you're going to need him. You're now going to rely on him because he's eating up so much of the cap. He now has to make up for the fact that you can't get a a stellar supporting cast because he's eating up too much of the money, which means now he needs to contribute more to balance it out. And he's not that guy. He's going to have to be involved in the run game because that's what he does best. Sit, drop back. 40 times a game, no chance. He's not the guy for that. He's not the guy for that. So with that said, the offensive line is also terrible. Now, the Cowboys have a really good pass rush. And not only do they have a good pass rush, but they have waves that they could bring. Right? They have waves that they could bring. Dan Quinn is a fantastic defensive coordinator. They've loaded up that defensive line. They've loaded up that front seven with guys that can blitz, guys that can run, guys that can get through. So you're not going to go against a pass rush that dominant every week. But your offensive line is still weak. So those are two areas that you could walk away as a Giants fan and say, oh, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. Also, another thing is in the defense, that secondary, those two rookies at corners, those are two guys that were very grabby in college. Those are two guys that will grab you. You're going to get a lot of defensive holding penalties. You're going to get a lot of PIs. There's talent. But if you're relying on those guys, get ready for a lot of third downs being converted because you got a defensive holding automatic first down. So those are the things you can take away. If you're a Giants fan, but again, this game does not say that you're not. I still think the Giants will make the playoffs. I think they'll still squeak in. But if you're a Cowboys fan, you also can't walk away saying, "Oh man, the Cowboys are amazing." Da 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 da. Why? Because things just went your way. The offense didn't look great. It didn't look great. They didn't score in every put. Like it didn't look great. Now the weather may have played a factor. I thought Dak skipped a couple throws. He looked a little off. But he kind of that's what Dak is. I did I didn't I didn't see the offensive line being as dominant in the run game as I would hope. I didn't see that. The defense looked good. I think the one thing I may have underestimated is how good this secondary can be. And if that pass rush mixed with a solid secondary, that could lead to some real good defensive performances. So there are some takeaways, but in totality, week two is going to be the official start. Like now, now let's judge these teams because the Giants are going against the Cardinals. So you take what week one was and week two was, you add it up, you divide it by two and you get an average and that's probably where you're going to be. Take week one and week two from the Cowboys who were playing the Jets and you, all right, there you go. Boop, boop, put a nice bow on it. Do you know what I'm saying? The garbage truck is coming, so y'all might hear the garbage truck in, in the background, Trash Can Studios. Uh, so I'm not I'm not going to pause it. Typically what I would do is I would pause it and, and wait till the truck to pass, but I don't got time for that. So you might hear some banging, but that's just them taking my trash. But I will say about the Cowboys-Giants, here's what I will say. Giants fans don't sit there and now all of a sudden I'm like, well, you can't really take anything away from week one. It's just week one, man. If the Giants beat the Cowboys forty to nothing, and it looked exactly the same, but in favor of the Giants, they would be kicking the Cowboys' backs in. But Cowboys fans, we are classy, we are non-biased. All right, we believe in fairness. Like, look, bad game for you guys. It went our way. It was fun to watch. It was fun to be on the receiving end of all the universe's gifts. But I, I don't, I don't judge. I don't judge the Giants too harshly after Week One. I'm not crucifying uh, uh, Daniel Jones after week one. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not throwing anybody away. I'm not saying that Brian Dayball may be overrated as a coach. How good is he now? I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is a fluke in his one good year, quote-unquote, he can't even duplicate. I'm not saying any of that. (laughs) I'm just saying uh, you better not lose to Arizona. If you lose to Arizona... There's some real trouble. Wow, 42 minutes in. Wow, man. Just NFL talk. See, this is why I love football season. In the summertime, we ain't no football, man. I'll be struggling to get to 40 minutes. Y'all seen the episode length. <laughs> I like to be around an hour. That's where I like to be because I feel like I listen to podcasts when I'm working. And so the longer the podcast, the better for me. That's why when the show first started, I used to try to go for like 90 minutes to two hours. Like that was, woof. Then I realized I was just filling your guys' ears with a bunch of nonsense where I would just drag things on forever. So I'm trying not to do that. Let's move on to college because uh, the big game of the weekend was Texas versus Alabama. Now you'll remember, I wanted to pick Texas. I wanted to believe that Texas would do it. But Texas has routinely come up short in those moments, in those games. And I said they had to prove it to me. I needed them to prove to me that they were going to make it happen. And they did. And boy, did they. And they look good. And I'm going to tell you, man, what does it mean? It means that Texas now is in the driver's seat to say, we can now move forward and be in a real conversation for title contenders. And now going forward, we have now erased we have cleansed the spirits we have cleansed the locker rooms the culture the school the whole university the family we've gotten rid of that that those demons on our back that say we cannot do it now we will fall short of expectations they've cleansed all that now go play football now you don't have no pressure of oh man can we win the big one you just did it on the road no less Now, going forward, people will believe in you. I will believe in them. Now, I can pick them now in any game strictly based on what I think they would do and not have to worry about, oh, yeah, but that monkey's on their back. I don't have to worry about that. They shook him off. Ain't no apes here. They are free, clean, free. (laughs) That's right. Texas is always a team that I, I like, there's always something about them that I root for. You know what it is? They end up in situations where they're playing teams that I hate. Like, I I hate Alabama. Did I ever tell you why I hate Alabama? Like, look. So, see, some people, you might think that I hate Alabama because of, um, because they were winning a lot and I'm just a hater. You would think I hate Alabama because they got trash uniforms. You would think I hate Alabama because Saban is great or whatever. No, that's not true. It's actually much more petty than that. <laughs> it's actually much more stupid than that. But, like, I just hold on to that hate because, you know, you can't let go of the hate. You got to hate. I actually hate Alabama. If I've never told this story, then here we go. If I have told this story before, I apologize. But there's always new listeners. So maybe somebody's hearing this for the first time. Maybe I never told the story. I don't know. So the story goes that... Uh, When after high school, I was dating a girl, right? I was dating a girl in high school. We both graduated. She went off to college. Uh, You know, I didn't, right? I was supposed to. I got into college. Y'all, don't try to play me. Don't try to play me. I got into college. I was going to go to a fine arts college, Columbia College in Chicago. All right, look it up. A really good uh, fine arts college. I was going to be majoring in music business, minoring in audio recording technology. Don't play with me. I got accepted. Got the acceptance line. I probably still have it somewhere. Maybe. I might have thrown it away, probably. Anyway. So she went out to college, and me and her broke up. Ah, uh, things happen, no big deal. So we split. So her new boyfriend. So out of nowhere, one night I get this call. This has nothing to do with sports. <laughs> so I get this call from a random number, and I answer it because I'm like, whatever. Like I was young, you know, when you you young, you answer the phone all the time. Now I don't. If it's if it's an unknown number or if it's a number I don't know, I'm not answering. Uh, you ain't that somebody. No, I'm not answering. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I was young so I answered and all of a sudden this is dude like yo who's this who's this I didn't call you you called me who's this so he tells me who it is I said oh hey I'm so-and-so and you know he said he was the girl's boyfriend or whatever he said you was calling my girl I said no I haven't talked to her in forever at this point it had been like literally it had been like months since me and her had last spoke so I was like nah I didn't call at all like how why, what I don't have your number why would I call why would I call you and he was saying, I'm just returning your phone calls. I, I never called you, but I don't have your, I don't know who you are. I didn't know this number. Like, why would I call this number? So he hangs up. So then he calls back. Same number calls back. I'm like, yo, something must be up. Maybe, but I'm thinking maybe it's her now who's using his phone to say, hey, my bad. Like, sorry about that, whatever. So I'm like, I'll pick up the phone and be whatever. He gets back on the phone and tells me to stop calling his girl. I said, bro, I never called your girl. You called me again for the second time. Look at your phone. You've never seen an incoming call for my number. So me and him get into it, right? Me and him start arguing. So he starts saying, I'm coming, I'll be back to Jersey, visiting her, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'll see you. Yeah, go ahead, see me. <laughs> and you know where I'll be, right? So <laughs> at the time we went to the same, me and the girl went to the same church still, because when I met her, she had, was going to church. So I started going to this church. So once she went away to school, I wanted to continue to go to church. And this was a church that I'd already been going to. So I just kept going, right? So he said, I said, look, you know what church I'm gonna be at on Sunday, I'll be right there. And my the the phrase I used I kept saying to him was, I'm gonna smack you in church and apologize to Jesus later. (laughs) So in my mind, you know, 19 year old me, I'm thinking I'm super fly. I'm about to I'll fight you in church, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So she calls me after that, and then she's yelling at me, telling me why would you call him and start these problems, blah, blah, blah. And I'm mad because I didn't call him and start no problems. So this guy coincidentally happens to be from Alabama. Now, in my younger years, for that reason, anytime I saw Alabama on TV, it just reminded me at a time that this dude called me randomly trying to fight me and trying to make me seem chump. So ever since then, I've hated Alabama. Now, as a 36-year-old I don't that like that story just becomes funny to me because had he actually come to Jersey and had we actually been face to face, I honestly don't have no problem with the guy. (laughs) I don't I don't know this guy. Why would I fight you now? If I seen him, I would shake his hand, laugh and say, my bad for saying all that. I was talking crazy to you, but I don't even know you. That's super disrespectful. My bad. No beef. I got no beef with Alabama. But in the back of my brain, I keep saying, well, I have to continue to dislike Alabama because I've set the precedent. I hate Alabama. I'll never root for them. Because an Alabama resident called me and tried to chump me. (laughs) That's story time with John. Yes. For those of you who are wondering, if if we had ever come face to face at that time, I 100% would have thrown punches. I may have lost. I don't know this guy. I don't know how big he is. I have no idea. He sounded pretty grown. All right. I feel like I still had my kid voice. I feel like I didn't have my man voice yet. So I was still probably like very high pitched at the time. And he, His voice was very deep. Uh, he said he was about that. And I didn't talk that way. But I said I was about that too. <laughs> man, to be young. So the moral of the story is, uh, I hate Alabama because I had an interaction with a, somebody from Alabama. And uh, they didn't like me. So. Now I don't like Alabama. But kudos to Texas, though. What a great game. Quinn Ewers had a couple throws in that game where I said, how? He had that one deep ball that like went straight up in the air, and I thought There's, that's not going to reach. I thought that's going to be so underthrown, and it was perfect. And I watch it. I've, I've seen it probably every day since. And I watch it. He lets it go. It goes way up in the air and comes right down perfect. How? Ohio State fans, imagine. Imagine if he was playing for Ohio State instead of Kyle McCord. Who, oddly enough, is now officially the starter. That's right. Ryan Day has come out and named Kyle McCord the starter going forward for the rest of the year. No surprise to any of us who have watched the games. He obviously was their favorite. He wanted him to win the job, but I think they just had to make sure. Devin Brown had to get an opportunity to play in the game to see kind of, can he... Because again, I think as far as physical gifts and just raw talent, I think Devin Brown has the edge. But when it comes to playing quarterback, Kyle McCord has the edge. So I think they wanted to give Devin Brown every opportunity to maybe prove something. But he just didn't. And that's okay. That's okay. But Kyle McCord going forward now doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He doesn't have to worry about coming out of games. He can get into his rhythm. And it is top-notch, great decision, the only decision in my opinion, and I'm happy for him going forward. I want to talk about two more things. One of them is I, they, the the phrase that kept going through my head all week is, they make me hate. Uh, listen, I'm not a hater, I promise you. Yes, it is true. My first thought, when everyone's going left, my first thought Let me take a peek at what's going on on the right. Maybe I'm going to go that way. When everybody says this team is the best, I do say, well, let me look at that other team and see maybe that other team is actually better. If there's two teams in the Super Bowl and everybody wants Team A, my first thought is I'm going to root for Team B. Yes, I am a natural contrarian. I am a guy that always wants to go against the flow of traffic. That is true. But I'm mature now. In my younger days, I would just go for the other one just because. I'm the same one who thought Robert Guerrero, the ghost, was going to beat Floyd Mayweather. (laughs) You couldn't convince me he wasn't. I was, hey, this is going to be the upset of the century. Oh, this is going to be the greatest. Yeah, that's me. That's who I was in my younger days. Now I'm mature. I'm grown. So believe me when I tell you I don't want to hate. My first instinct might be to hate, and then I immediately check that. I look at the facts and the information, and then I make a smart, mature decision. But when it comes to Caleb Williams, boy y'all make me want to hate. Oh y'all push me into the hate. I saw a headline that said Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football and it's not even close. Not even close. Not even close. See? See? <laughs> See, it's the wording. It's the wording. You could say he's the best college he's the best quarterback in college football and it's obvious. No problem with that statement. Caleb Williams is is far and away the best quarterback in college football. Not even mad at that. But when you say, and it's not even close, Ah! that hate, and it's like the Hulk, the hate just uh, hate. You just make me want to hate. Why? Because Caleb Williams hasn't done a damn thing so far this season that you wouldn't expect him to do. Bump the numbers. Forget the numbers. How about this number? They played three games. Their opponents' record combined is two and five. Two and five. They ain't played no damn body. He ain't played not a he ain't played not a tough game yet. If you going into the season, going into the season, what you think they was gonna do against these teams? San Jose State, did you think that was gonna be close? Nevada, did you think that was gonna be close? Stanford, did you think that was gonna be close? To say he's the best quarterback in college football and it's not even close, pull up the numbers. He has three more passing touchdowns than Shador Sanders. Is that close? Is that close? Hold on, hold up, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that close? Hmm? I'm waiting. Do we think, do we think, listen, Caleb Williams... What this is, let me let me now. Let me bring it back to reality. Now, my hate has come out, okay? You make me want to hate. They, they bring the hate out of me when I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to hate, but they, they drew it out of me. So now I go back to making rational decisions. Yes, Caleb Williams is having a fantastic year so far. Yes, Caleb Williams is putting up the best stats of any quarterback right now. Yes, why? Because it, cupcake schedule so far. Hasn't played any tough games yet. Hasn't played any of the teams you feel like would put up any bit of a threat against that offense yet, right? Hasn't played any good defenses yet, right? Okay, fair. So if you want to say he's the best quarterback in college football, I'm not even going to argue that. He might be. But here's the problem with Caleb Williams and me. Caleb Williams will make all of the flashy plays. Caleb Williams will make plays where he will run around. Watch all the highlights this year. You want to know one thing you're going to notice? That's it. He's got 900 minutes in the pocket. He's running around, he's going in circles, he's backing up, he's inching forward, he's going to the left, he's going to the right. Ain't no pressure. No pressure on the quarterback. He's got all day to sit back there and do what? Find an open receiver. Why are they open? Because everybody tells you if you protect the quarterback, no defender can guard someone for five seconds. It ain't happening. And Caleb Williams' receivers have 10 seconds to get open. Do you think he's going to find somebody? Do you think he's going to find an open receiver? you yeah, damn right he will. This isn't hate. This is just put it in perspective. I like Caleb Williams. I have my doubts. I have concerns. Why? Because Caleb Williams in college football gets away with using his pure God-given talent. Caleb Williams relies on his talent to get by right now because he's super talented. Caleb Williams makes all the flashy plays, all the Patrick Mahomes sidearm, weird angles, falling down throws. Look at that deep throw. Look at that throw on the run. All of those plays he makes. But what happened when they went against Utah last year in the the, uh, Pac-12 championship game? What happened when he went against a top-notch defense that was gearing and clicking everything towards him? What happened in that game? He didn't look that great, did he? Did he? Put him in the NFL right now. You think he's going to go do what he's doing in college in the NFL right now? You think he's going to be able to play that? You think he's going to be able to play this way in the NFL? Pump the brakes on he's the best and it's not even close. Pump the brakes on all that. Caleb Williams is really good. But there's a lot of quarterbacks in the country right now that are playing and have played tougher games. You know what? Hold up, hold up. See, now, y- now y'all making me mad. This is what I'll be talking about. Y'all make me hate. I don't want to hate. I like Caleb Williams. I like the dude. So let me pull this up. Let me pull this up. So if you want to know what I'm doing. Okay, breaking the fourth wall. I'm pulling up Caleb. I'm going to pull up Caleb Williams' stats. Okay, so let's go. Let's go to the box score. Let's go to USC. Let's pull up Caleb Williams. All right, now Caleb Williams, okay, on this year. He is 55 of 70. That's fantastic. 78.6% completion percentage. Fantastic. 878 yards. Fantastic. 12.5 yards on average. Fantastic. 12 touchdowns. No picks. Fantastic. A QB rating of 240.5. I thought 158 was the best. (laughs) He's having a fantastic year. No hate. But in the first three games, if you were going to bet, do you think this is what Caleb Williams would look like? Everyone would say, yeah, yeah, that's about what I'd expect. I'm not, you know, I'm not really surprised by that. But now let's look at somebody else. Let's look at some, let's pull up somebody else to see a comparison. Cause you know, he's the best by far. He's the best by far. Right? The best, just by not even close. Oh, check this out. 48 of 64. completion percentage, 731 yards, 11.4 yards per per attempt, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, a QB rating of 222.5. Is that close? You have two more touchdowns. Is that close? You have completed a few more passes. Is that close? You've also thrown a few more passes. Is that close? Your completion percentage, mine, 75, yours, 78 is that close you know who that quarterback is that's putting up those numbers 10 touchdowns no picks you know who that quarterback is yep that's Sam Hartman for Notre Dame yeah there's a lot of quarterbacks in this country right now three games in that are playing very well to say that he's the best and it's not even close is asinine you just praising you're getting caught up in the highlights You're getting caught up in the highlights. You're getting caught up in the whole, oh, yeah, you know, look how great he is. Look at this throw. Yeah, he ran around for 15 seconds and then threw the ball to a wide-open receiver in the end zone. And we're praising him. Like, look, who can do that? Every damn quarterback in the country can do that. Every single one can run around in a circle for 15 minutes and throw it to an open guy in the end zone. You want to know why? Because ain't no cornerback able to cover for 15 seconds. That's why they want to get a pass rush so we don't have to cover very long. Caleb Williams is really good. Caleb Williams is is probably leading the Heisman race right now because of the stats, quote unquote. But the reality is, come on now. Stop, Stop overblowing everything he's done so far. Let's see what he does when he starts going against the better teams. Let's see what he does when he plays an actual good team. Fair? Now, if he goes out there and he just dominates everybody, then, hey, Conversation over. He's the best. But for right now, bro, chill. I want to talk about two more things. One of them is not important at all, and the other one to me is very important. So let's start with the non-important one. So LeBron apparently is uh, working behind the scenes and putting together an Olympic team and getting all of the top NBA players together, and they're going to put together this crazy team for the Paris Olympics. (sighs) Can I ask a question? I almost I almost cursed. Who cares? Who cares? At this point, at this point, who cares about the Olympics? Not the Olympics as a whole. Who cares? Who cares that the USA is going to put together another dream team? Who cares? Who cares? What difference does it make? Okay, if winning the gold is so important, then why do we never use it in the GOAT conversation? For who's the greatest of all time? We never talk about how many gold medals you got. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They say that Carmelo Anthony's not a winner. He got a gold medal. He was instrumental to winning that gold medal too. Nobody labels him as a winner because he won a gold. They don't they, they don't even count for Carmelo. Let me ask you a question. If LeBron does put this team together, does anyone think they won't win the gold? No, we all agree they will win the gold, right? They should and they would. And if they do, should I be impressed that they won the gold? Or should I be like, nah, of course they won the gold. That's the best players in the world. So what the hell does it matter? Why is this a story? Oh, because LeBron did it. LeBron, go ahead. Get all your boys together. Put together a super team and go win. And then you win. And then what? You want credit for winning? Bruh. And some people will say, yeah, but if they lose, it'll be a story, right? Yes. Because them losing is like, how? How could they lose? You know what that would be the equivalent to? It'd be the equivalent of me getting me and my friends together. And we go play five-on-five basketball against my son's friends because they're five years old and if a group of five-year-olds beat a bunch of grown men in basketball the question would be holy hell how but if a group of grown men go beat a bunch of five-year-olds in basketball you don't need to hear about it because you would say yeah duh so if the greatest basketball players in the world go form one team and beat the rest of the world you would say yeah of course But if they lose, you would say, whoa, how did they lose? That's interesting. How did that team with those players lose to that other team with those guys we never heard of? Ta-da! It's not crazy. You didn't defy expectations. You didn't overcome expectations by winning the gold. The first dream team was such a story because it was the first time NBA players... Were playing in the Olympics. It was the dream team. And they won by a thousand points. That's why that was a story. It was never a story about the Olympic team after that. Until they lost in 2004. Then it was. How could this team lose to that team? That's why it was a story. Had they won. Nobody cares. The redeem team was only a story. Because they were coming off of a loss. And we have to redeem ourselves now. Can this team win now? And when they won, it's okay, now we're back. That's the only reason why it was a story. If you win now, bro, we expect you to. Especially if you put together the roster they're talking about, you better win. And if you win, you don't get credit for doing what you're supposed to do. Facts. People only get headlines when they do things that are above and beyond what's expected. Right? So stop. I just had to get that out the way. Now I want to talk about something that's very important. That's becoming more and more important to me. Number one. Please. Oh, please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you sports media. I'm begging you sports fans. Please let's not make the Deion Sanders and the Colorado story about race. Please. Please, 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 please don't. I think if you start bringing up race, it is reductive. And I'll tell you what I mean. Deion Sanders winning games at Colorado is not important or intriguing or fascinating or exciting because he is black. His race has nothing to do with it. We should look at what he's doing and judge him based on the job he is doing, not for the job he's doing as a black coach. Him being black or white does not matter. Does not matter. When Urban Meyer went and started coaching Ohio State and they were coming off of a 6 and 6 season and the very first season there he went 12 and 0 nobody mentioned him being white. We don't do that for them. We don't do that for other white coaches. We don't praise them for being a white coach and and being able to convince black players to follow lead. They don't do that. They don't they don't if they never bring up race when it comes to white coaches but when it comes to black coaches doing something the first thing they want to do is point out that he's black. Nah, we're not doing that. Deion Sanders is not a black coach. He is a coach and he's a damn good one. And if he can't get respected as a coach without you putting the caveat, a black coach. You need to ask yourself a question. Why do you need to mention that he's a black coach? Don't make it about race. And and, and black people, we need to demand. Yes, I say we because I am half black. We need to demand and treat him as a coach and not acknowledge the fact that he's black because we don't care that he's black. That's not why he's a good coach. That's not why he should get credit. He should not get credit because he's a black coach doing this. He should get credit because he's one of the best damn coaches in the country. That's why. And yes, I'm passionate about this because it matters to me. And number two, pay attention. They are building up Colorado. They are building them up sky high. They keep moving them up the rankings. They are building them up sky high. I would not be surprised. Going into next week, do you know who they play next week? So this week, they play Colorado State. They're expected to win. They're probably going to win by a large margin. Next week, they play Oregon. Guess what? I would not be surprised if Colorado wins this week versus Colorado State and they get bumped into the top 10. Why? Because that makes it a bigger, better story. Why? Because if they lose to Oregon, they are going to tear this team apart. I see it. They building them up. They building them up, building them up, building them up. Why? Because as soon as they falter, as soon as they slip. And, oh, please don't let them get blown out by Oregon. Oh, if they get blown out by Oregon, they are going to trash this team. The first thing you're going to see is, was Colorado overrated? Was Colorado overhyped? Was this all hype? Yeah, they won a bunch of games, but hey, man, were we wrong? Like, maybe they look at their schedule. The schedule wasn't really... Yeah, that's what they, they're going to tear them down. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. I'm working very hard to not over-praise Colorado or over-criticize them because the reality is who they are and what they are is a building program. They, are not, they were never expected to be in the conversation for a playoff. They were never expected to be in the conversation for 10 wins. They were never expected for that. They were never expected to win the conference. They were never expected to do that. They were never expected to finish in the top 25. This season is about exploring what can Dion do with the recruits that he brought in. How good can they look? How can we get a read on, hey, going forward, hey, Coach Prime, this is about to be scary. That's what the, This was a look-see year. This was a, hey, let's take a look and see, you know, yeah, it worked at Jackson State, but can he bring that same swag, that same attitude, that same, those same modules, that same play my theme, can he bring that to big power five college football? Will that work? That's what this year is about. Can Dion prove that his way can work at this level? That's what it's about. That's it. Don't build them up as oh they were this and they're overrated. No, it's not about that. So you build that up, and you tear that down. That's on you. They are. They have. they are, I, here's, They have not. They didn't do anything week two different than week one. They're not going to do anything different in week three than they did in week two or one. And when they go against Oregon, they're not going to do anything different in that game than they did the first three games. The difference is the level of competition is going to step way up. But judge them on what they do and not what your expectations are. That's why I'm not overly praising Colorado because, again, I'm not worried about the result. How does it look? They look. They look like a team who believes. They look like a team who's well-coached. They look like a team who has a clear vision on here's what our objective is and they all seem to be flowing in the same direction. That's what they look like. Whether they win or lose, don't matter year one. Does it look like the culture is being established? It is. The culture is being established. It, it, It looks like it. So win or lose don't matter year one. Because we're not expecting you to win. We don't care if you lose. Coach Prime, it's the first year. This is your first recruits. This is your first year in this building, in this community. This is your first year. Set the culture, and then going forward, boom, we springboard. That's what this is about. This is a look-see year. The administration ain't looking at Deion and saying, bro, you got to win X amount of games or you out. The players ain't thinking, oh, we got to win this amount of games, or we we don't we don't coach. No, this is about establishing a culture, and once you establish that, going forward, can you now that you have your, now you know what we're looking for, now high school kids right now who are coming out and on the recruiting trail. Hey, look, we're gonna go visit. Oh, we like this culture, we like this atmosphere. We're gonna go there. They're gonna start getting, They're gonna have a good recruiting class, cause it seems fun. Because Prime is the master of cool, coolest coach in college football. I just don't want to hear this whole these whole race conversations. I don't want him to be getting praise as a black coach. I don't want it to be talked about how these black players and da-da-da look. Like, I don't need all those percentages. of. I don't need all that. These Shador Sanders is not a black quarterback. He's a quarterback. If in 2023 you looking at a quarterback and, and judging whether or not he's black or white, and that's like, what difference does that make? What difference does that make? What difference does it make? Why does Shador Sanders being black matter at all? What difference does that make? All right, so if it don't make a difference, then why does it even have to be mentioned? What difference does it make that, that Coach Prime is black? What is that what is that What difference does that make for his coaching? Or his ability to coach? Or his game planning? Or his recruitment? What difference does that make? Does, that make it, does Nick Saban benefit because he's a white coach? Does he recruit better because he's white? Does he recruit less because he's white? Alabama has the top recruiting class all the time, and they got a bunch of black players. They get the top players in the country. Some of them are black. Most of them are black. Does, does, that, does it matter that Nick Saban's white? So why does it matter for, for Dion? Why does it have to be mentioned that he's black? See, I think part of the problem is we're judging guys and looking at guys based on race instead of looking at it just based on ability. If you look at if you look at Colorado and you think, "Man, that's a really good job. That's a great black head coach." Like that for me is a qualifier. You're not saying he's a great head coach. You're saying he's a great black head coach. So is he a great coach or not? Oh, he's only he's only great on the black coach scale. He's the best black head coach. Like, what? I didn't like when, when, uh, they, when Bleacher Report, I think, I think it was Bleacher Report, put out that it was 14 black starting quarterbacks in the NFL, the most all time, on week one. Why are, we, why are we mentioning that these quarterbacks are black? Why? What, what difference does that make? And I know some people say, well, you got to acknowledge it because for, there was a time period. We out of that. It's not that time period no more. When you look up on your TV screen and you see a black quarterback, are you like, whoa, whoa, it's that black quarterback. When you look up on your TV and you see a black head coach, you say, whoa, they got a black coach. Does that happen for y'all still? Y'all still think like that? No, you don't. Cyber family, you don't think that way. You don't look at Caleb Williams and say he's a really good quarterback for being black. You don't do that. You don't look at him different than you look at Drake May because he's black. You don't do that. You don't look at Shador Sanders and say, wow, like that's a good black quarterback. You don't do that. So why do we need to acknowledge that? That's that's my rant. That's my rant for this week. Because I think it's important that as we as people get away from the idea of we need to acknowledge the race of someone. To in some way validate what they're doing or enhance what they're doing, as if like the expectation is Dion wouldn't be a good coach because he's black. Or that because he's black, this is even more impressive. Like it's that's that's reductive. That's in a way, it's like it's like biased. And in a way, it just seems to be like it seems to send the wrong it hits my ears and makes it feel like you you didn't expect it because you didn't you wouldn't expect that from someone who's black. And that sounds to me like that's not the message we need to be passing is we should credit him for being black and being able to do this because his ability to do it has nothing related to the color of his skin. Nothing. And if Dion was white, he would be cool as hell too. He's not cool because he's black. He's not cool because he's from the hood. He's not cool because of where. way. No, he's cool. Joe Burrow is cool as hell too. There's a lot of cool people has nothing to do with race, and we need not do that. But the real message, not only that, but the real message is be careful because they are building up Colorado right now, and they are prepping them for a big, big teardown. And when it starts to happen, I'm just letting you know now, I'm going to be on the side of defending Colorado, defending Coach Prime, and defending against all the nonsense that's about to come because they will lose a game. They will lose multiple games Probably. Because it's hard to win, especially in year one, as you get into the season, as teams get to get more film on you, as your guys get a little tired. You know, Travis Hunter can't play as many snaps as he's playing every game. He's going to get a little tired. The weather is going to change a little bit. Yeah, like it's going to get tougher. And when it does, and if the results aren't the same, I'm still going to defend them. And I'm going to fight against the people who are going to try to tear them down because your expectations have changed. Because you're putting them on a pedestal. So when they don't live up to your expectations, you're going to tear them down. I'm going to be here for their defense. Let's move on to picks for the week. Now look, if you want my full, because again, I'm picking All the top 25 teams are in action. I'm picking every game involving a top 25 team in college football, and I'm picking every NFL game against the spread. That's what I'm doing this year. Now, if you want to get the full list, because I don't want to take an extra half hour to 20 minutes, however long it's going to take to go through these in the podcast, I've chosen five college games, five NFL games that are interesting to me. To do on the show if you want the full list of picks go to the youtube channel it's cyber network that's s-i-b-r network on youtube to get the full list and the full picks for college and nfl so let's start with college so last week i came in and i told you that i was asked if florida state is the real deal or if i believe in florida state after they beat um lsu and i said no because florida state Their problem is never how they play against the top teams they go against. The problem is always how they play that noon game against like an NC State. Well, guess what they have this week? They have Boston College at noon. And guess who they play next week? Clemson. Now, Clemson is a higher profile team. Yeah, they're kind of down in the dumps. But I still promise you Florida State is going to respect clemson more than they will boston college this is a typical game that florida state will come out and struggle it's what they call a trap game you got a big game next week against a hated opponent and this week you have kind of a lowly boston college who should pose no threat to you at all and those are the kind of games where florida state will slip up this game is interesting to me because florida state needs to come out and dominate from snap one and be so dominant, in fact, that they could put in backups midway through the second half. That's what I need to see. And if I see that from Florida State, I'll come on here next week and say that I believe in Florida State's ability to win a national title. I will be convinced, hand to God, I will be convinced that Florida State is a real deal if they come out and dominate Boston College from pillar to post. I do like Florida State to win. But I am curious to see if they could take care of business and be real dominant in the game, where typically, historically, at least in my opinion, is a game they'd always struggle. Next, you have Texas playing Wyoming. Now, this is similar to Florida State, where Texas is coming off a big program-defining win versus Alabama. And here they are going against a Wyoming team who, if you're not paying attention, they might be able to make it a tough day for you. They might. They could. Wyoming is that team that, like... We should blow them out. But if you let them hang around, that game could look closer than it should. I'm curious to see how Texas is going to come out and handle business. I think they will. I think they handle business. I think they win by a large margin. I think the backups get to play. I think it's going to be a blowout. But I am interested to see, can Texas, now that I'm buying in, now that I'm giving them the credit, not saying, well, you got to show me. No, they showed me. So now I'm going to ride the coattails. I need to see how they perform versus Wyoming. Ohio State versus Western Kentucky, we know Notre Dame is next week. We know that. So this week you've got Western Kentucky. It's a tune-up game. It is a trap game. It is a game where you can come out here and kind of sleepwalk through it and it's too close. No, they need to come out much like Florida State and much like Texas and handle business. Use this game as a scrimmage for, for Notre Dame. Come out and dominate. Dominate from beginning to end. That's what I need to see from Ohio State. I like Ohio State to win. I need them to dominate. Tennessee versus Florida for me is interesting because I want to pick Florida. I want to say that Florida is going to win. Florida, for whatever reason, is a team that I always feel like is more competitive than they should be. The games are always more competitive than you would think. Tennessee at number 11. I don't know how I feel about Milton. I don't really trust him. I think this is a game where Florida might be able to take advantage of that. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go with Tennessee. But this game is interesting. This, for me, is one to watch. If there were going to be one upset this week, this is that one. And the last game I'm interested in is Oregon versus Hawaii. Because Oregon has Colorado next week at home. And Hawaii should not pose any threat for Oregon. But is Oregon looking ahead to the Colorado game? Are they looking ahead or are they going to sit there and focus and take care of business against Hawaii? We're going to have to find out. I do like Oregon to take care of Hawaii. But it is interesting because, again, are you looking forward to Colorado and potentially going to slip up against my Hawaii? Moving on to the NFL, we got a couple games that interest me. Number one is the Packers minus one and a half versus the Falcons. I'm taking the Packers to cover because I I am a believer in Jordan Love. I think he's going to continue to get better each week and have a really good year. So I like the Packers to win, cover the one and a half. You got Bills minus nine and a half versus the Raiders. Now, I know the Bills got embarrassed in week one. The conventional wisdom and the conventional thought is, oh, the Bills are going to come back and dominate. They're going to come back and be way better. And then the Raiders, the Raiders, you know, they got, you know, Garoppolo and, you know, they won week one. But that was a surprise and blah, 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 blah. The question becomes, do you think the Bills will cover the nine and a half? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, because I think people are probably down on the Bills and are probably a little up on the Raiders. And I think. Can they win by 10? I think so. That wouldn't surprise me. I think the Bills in week one, I think Josh Allen had an absolutely terrible game. I think Josh Allen probably came into the game feeling himself. I even said coming in, I thought he was going to have a really big year and be out to prove something. I think he was, and I think that is not the way to go, and I think he's going to get back to like, let me settle down and stop trying to make the play every play, and let me just play football. I am going to take the Bills getting the nine and a half. I'm going to take them to cover. That is a big number. I'm going to take it though. Lions minus five and a half versus the Seahawks. I'm taking the Lions and the five and a half points. I think the Lions are very good. I think the confidence, the confidence, man, for Jared Goff is going to be the difference in that team this year. I think his confidence and the team's confidence in him is at an all-time high. I uh, I think the Seahawks are good, but I think the Lions are better. I think they'll win by a touchdown. I think they cover the five and a half. Colts minus one versus the Texans. Our first matchup of two rookies. You got Anthony Richardson, and then you got C.J. Stroud. Here's what I know. The Texans were able to keep that game. They were able to keep Houston close versus Baltimore, and Baltimore is far better, okay? So the defense played pretty solid. I think against a rookie quarterback, I think they take advantage of Anthony Richardson. I think they're going to get a couple turnovers off Richardson, and I think the Texans win. I think C.J. Stroud's going to have a much easier day versus the Colts defense than he did versus Baltimore's defense. I think having a game under his belt and getting used to the speed and feeling like, oh, I could play. I think he's feeling real good about himself after that game. And I think in week two is when he starts to now say, I belong. This is my spot. This is my team. I got it. So I think week two, they come out. I think they get a big win. I think they beat the Colts. Uh, So I'm taking the Texans plus one. The Cowboys getting nine and a half versus the Jets. I know, I know this seems like a no-brainer. The Jets coming off of losing Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Zach Wilson stinks. The Cowboys defense was unbelievable. 40 to nothing against the Giants. Eh. I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life. These are the types of games that the Cowboys come in with really high expectations and they don't live up to it. I think, look, the Jets defense is really good. The Jets defense is going to give the Cowboys offense some trouble. The question is, can the Jets' offense give the Cowboys' defense some trouble? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think Zach Wilson is going to be under insane pressure. I think he's going to get a couple turnovers. But I don't think the Cowboys' offense is quite good enough to dominate a team like the Jets. So I think this game is closer than 9.5. I don't think there's going to be a doubt who who's the better team. Like I think it might be like a 7 point game a six or seven point victory I don't think they're going to win I don't think they're going to cover the nine and a half I do think Zach Wilson is going to be the difference I think he's going to turn the ball over one too many times against that defense but I also think the Jets defense is going to do just like they did against Buffalo do just enough to keep it close keep it closer than it should be closer to nine and a half for sure so I like the Cowboys to win but I like the Jets to cover the nine and a half points That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming through again for another week. I apologize for the length. If some people have a problem with this podcast being so long, my apologies. But get used to it because it's probably going to happen more often, especially this football season. We got a lot to talk about each and every week. I love this time of year. Also, follow me on all social media platforms at cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. Go check out the YouTube channel. Like I said, we have the full list of picks. Every top 25 team and every NFL game picked versus the spread. Those videos are available right now on Cyber Network on YouTube. That's S-I-B-R Network on YouTube. We also got exclusive content over there that you won't find on this podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you for being part of the Cyber family. I look forward to hearing from you, and I look forward to seeing y'all next week. Enjoy the games bet responsibly drink responsibly party responsibly have a good time i'll see y'all next week